0: You could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much.
1: People in the hallway, what we're talking about. And this morning, I have an amazing interview with my friend, Ken (laughs) Lear, who I'm going to introduce um who's you you've probably seen him when i'm on on this stage we have a great history together he's a phenomenal um business person and i just know he's gonna bring great value and insight from from a whole nother dimension and i I thought we'd just spice it up today um so let's share this out in the hallway ping in some friends um and we'll go from there so good morning everybody hi brian benstock how you doing
2: Good morning, Barbara. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm a I'm 49 now. It's official. I know. Happy happy
2: ass birthday, girl. 49, man. I I, I can't even remember that far back for me. 49. It is so young, <laughs> and you're so wonderful and beautiful. And you know, Thank I, you. I don't know that you're six foot, and I don't know that you're 240 pounds, but you do have a, an aura that exceeds your physical heights. So, and that 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 I will confirm. Absolutely. And, um, so so. Happy, happy, happy day to you. You know, I think we we had a conversation yesterday, how, you know, each year, uh, instead of getting older, they just become more magnificent. And I, it is your perspective on things. And, uh, you know, I I hope that everybody can feel the way uh, that I think you and I both feel that the days are getting better as we learn more about ourselves and how to get more out of every single day. And, you know, I'll I'll be talking about that a little bit later uh, today, but uh, yeah, it's great to be your friend. Uh, it's been a fantastic year of friendship and association. And you know, you know what I love about being this age. You know, like when 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 you were younger, things took a long time for to figure out. In this age, you know, when you just pull the trigger, boom. Like we met uh, on Clubhouse, we became friends on Clubhouse. We decided to buy a plane. I didn't even know you, but I knew you. <laughs> you know, I knew you. All right, let's go. You know, and 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 I don't talk about. It's not it's not about that. It's just about you know when two people uh when they're tuned similarly right magic can happen it doesn't take 20 years or 30 years and uh i love and respect the the trust and faith that you had in in me and in us to, uh, to do that and it's, it's fantastic really great and
1: uh, now i completely agree i think you just get to a point in your life where you're ju- you just trust your instincts and you you move fast and you and you break things yeah, here well, and there they,
2: but well, for the well, most part when yeah, you're this part of this part yeah. of uh, us is not, is not going to ever let you down i i'm i'm a i'm really good at a couple of things and being a business partner is one of the things i pride myself on my and, business partner edith singer never has to worry about ten dollars missing from the bank or anything uh, and if there's a, a problem that exists in the business uh, i got it and i'll take care of it 100 percent on me and you can count on the like same I, thing.
1: Yeah. I feel the same. Like I, I, I feel like it's, it's a no brainer. It's a great situation, and um, and not to mention, um, Brian, you're really good at the Honda situation too. So we just, we went from a Honda car to a Honda plane. This isn't a. <laughs> I'm feeling really, really good about it. It's a, a great partnership, and more to come. Remember, it's our starter. It's our starter lineup. So. Man, I
2: love it, man. I got to tell you, I think it's it's such a beautiful piece. And uh, you know, I um, I think I'm gonna have a a, a boys' weekend on the plane uh, two weeks from now. Going to Miami. I was invited to the Miami Grand Prix, and uh, a, a flashy, not flashy, that's a wrong word. A, a, a very well-heeled friend of mine, who's like the mayor of uh, uh, Miami, has got a suite there, and he was kind enough to invite me uh, to go down there. So I think I'm gonna bring my son. And uh, my, my uh, weightlifting partner Pacheco and another buddy of mine down there, and, and take the plane uh, down there. They've not experienced it, so I'm 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 real excited about that. Oh, that's a good time. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, and, it, and it's a real business meeting. This uh, CEO of a couple of major automotive uh, companies are going to be there in the in the booth. So, uh, and, and again, anytime you can do something like that for your son and give him an experience like that, uh, and then the other people that is in the supporting roles, you know, the guy I work out with, he, you know, people say, is, is that your trainer? I, I don't pay him anything. We're friends. Uh, but he takes care of me like a personal trainer. He beats the stuffing out of me. And, uh, uh, you know, what, what is that doing to inform me? You know, I, I don't know. So anytime I can, uh, share good experiences with, with him and, uh, I, I, I do. And I look forward to sharing that, that Grand Prix in two weeks, provided I can make all the stars align and hopefully I can
1: damn i love it that sounds like a really good time i'm always game for i'm game for miami well you're gonna like this next person that i'm bringing here to breakfast with champions because we have been friends for i guess ken 20 years i'm reading your bio so you started and we met in 2002 ken
3: yeah, I think. Uh, good morning, everyone, and, and good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, I'm fairly new, fairly new to Clubhouse, um, but yeah, it's um, it's been close to twenty years. It's like so, in a blink of an years. eye.
1: And when I we're know. not on breakfast, and when we're not in breakfast with champions, we're going to tell this story of um, the the. So, in, in, <laughs> so let me back My, all this correct.
3: Up. Correct. <laughs>
1: it's so inappropriate. It was back totally. in the days when you could tell really inappropriate uh... jokes in office environments, and we're still laughing about how inappropriate it was. I mean, like I, sh- I it, it's one of my. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Those are those are the glory days. We we can't have to tell dirty <laughs> jokes anymore. <laughs> that doesn't stop Brian and I offline, but. <laughs> That's all good. So um, Ken and I met, and I, you guys hear me talk a lot about direct sales that I really got my voice.
2: Did you, did you really need to sully me with your dirty brush on that? <laughs> Seriously? I, mean, I know Bisbee loves company. I know that. Oh, Listen, shit, we're I, going I, down I, in a Ryan blaze of I, glory. You know, we still if, continue to have inappropriate conversations. Thanks. <laughs> appreciate
1: that. You know, if anybody and, and, ever gets a hold of that. Come oh, man. Our,
2: I mean, we're, 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 I mean, you can be politically uh, incorrect one on one. I agree with that. And there's not <laughs> enough of that going on. Uh, every now and then, I listen to some Dave Chappelle to remind myself. Hey, there are other people in the world that still get it. They they know how to laugh, you know. I, but uh, I digress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if anybody ever finds my cell phone and goes to some of the conversations I have offline, um, just know I just I I like a good laugh. I have a good sense of humor and I appreciate all, people that have a good all, sense of humor. All, Mary wait, Lynn wait, wait, sent me something. and Oh, great. Now you t- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I knew it. Now it's all Bart good to take it. <laughs> Mary Lynn sent me something it's really funny. and she goes, "I knew you would laugh. <laughs> so anyway, okay, don't everybody send me inappropriate stuff. I just like every once in a while a, a little uh, a little sparkle, a little a little glitter. So I you know, I talk a lot about uh, we totally digress but i want to really go back to you know i talk so much about going door to door business to business cold call sales but there's a disconnect because many people have met me at this stage maybe as a on air television personality but i attribute my ability to think on my feet stand tall in the face of adversity overcome adversity and keep moving the feet forward because i did door to door sales and there are people that I bring here and breakfast with champions, and they they they're on stage, but they haven't really gotten an opportunity to talk. So I and I just know the value that Ken and so many people that that worked with me and helping to build that empire, which it's now, and Ken can tell a great story through COVID um it's such a huge you know industry now and it's gone gotten, gotten so big and incredible and Ken's one of the reasons it is so successful today um but i think there's a lot of dialogue to have in that space so ken tell us a little bit about yourself um introduce yourself to my friends here in breakfast with champions and let's just we're just going to have dialogue about overcoming adversity, staying on topic with, um, you know, you don't have time to waste. The time is now is the topic of the room and anything sure. else. We're just, we're going to have a good time. It's the Barbie and Ken morning.
3: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, well, first of all, thank you again. And, and yeah, my background, um, I'm, I'm actually from, uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, um, Brian. So, so I, I'm, I'm always game for a trip to Miami. Um, uh, but, uh, I grew up playing a ton of soccer. I, uh, I ended up going to Penn State uh, on a full scholarship, um, you know, through academics and soccer. And, and when I graduated, this was back in 2001, December, you know, my career fair day was September 11th, which was kind of a crazy day for everyone. And uh, I just remember feeling like, you know, my parents told me you gotta get a college degree and you'll have some options. And and ever since that day and, and that time of uh, history, uh, I found myself like a lot of college graduates not having an opportunity um to get my foot in the door in, in big companies, Pfizer pharmaceuticals, which some of my older teammates had you know gotten decent positions with uh weren't weren't hiring a lot of companies went on hiring freezes and so I found myself sending my resume out online uh to the you know the new monster dot com and careerbuilder dot com and i and I fell into you know a small sales company in new jersey and you know i re- the reason I even got started is I knew that I needed sales experience. I knew if I was ever going to be a CEO, if I was ever going to be a president, if I ever was going to be in leadership, that I had to learn <clears throat> had to learn sales. And so it so happened to be in one of our you know our offices and I was doing business to business straight cold call commission sales. And and I remember the early days of, of my college roommate saying I was crazy, my parents thinking I was nuts working on commission, college girlfriend breaking up with me because I couldn't get a better job. and. And, uh, you know, for it was just I, my in my point of view, I was just so grateful that I was learning so much about myself. Uh, and I, I remember the culture and the people and, and Barb, the the truth when I, I met you before you met me, it was at one of our, our conferences and you spoke and it was in Philadelphia and you spoke about the pride uh, of putting on the jersey. Uh, and how much pride you had in, in starting your own business and, and running uh, your company, and, and you were, uh, you know, in your early twenties at the time, and um, and I was just so inspired by a young entrepreneur that chose to go her own way, and uh, believed in herself to to accomplish what she had accomplished, and and uh, and it was hard, you know, working commission and performance based, it was. I had to bet on myself on a, on a daily basis, and and um, you know, a year later, after you know, working in, in this uh, small company in Jersey, the guy who owned the company was the one that gave me the seed money to start my business, and and so at 23 years old, I became an entrepreneur. Uh, I moved to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I represented AT and T in their small business solutions, and we were going out. This is back in the day when when dial up was a thing, uh, and and. meg internet was actually internet that businesses use it used, and uh, we were going out and helping customers upgrade to uh, to these new internet plans and and small businesses were very nervous about the change and the mailers and the TV commercials and the the phone calls they would get from the call centers that AT&T had weren't getting the results that uh, that they wanted. And uh, my office in Columbus ended up, uh, you know, really putting our name on the map uh, with these large telecom companies, with the amount of revenue we generated. And uh, little by little, we started gaining more clients, moved down to the southeast and launched a a program with Bell South, uh, which eventually became AT&T, and this was on the residential side of things. So I was doing door to door residential sales for a period of time. Uh, Hey, Ken, I I have a question
1: for you that I think that the audience would appreciate hearing. So you're a division one athlete. You went to Penn state played soccer. You, you, you're, uh, listen, I know you you're smart. You speak well, you had a million other options, a gazillion other options. And by the way, There's a gentleman on the stage, his name's Todd, that I also want to introduce you to because he has great stories. He started, he's incredibly successful and started by selling meat out of the back of his car. And these are some of my favorite stories. And the reason I ask this question is why did you choose straight commission, cold call sales, going business to business when you could have done a multitude of other things?
3: You know, I uh, initially it was for how I felt. Uh, One of the things that our business does a very good job of is recognizing um, the development of people and and the small wins. And uh, I felt really good coming into the office every day. I I felt the culture. And then when I met people like you, Barb, and I met uh, others like John and a few others in our business, I was just so inspired about the idea that you could be young and, uh, have control, uh, have control of your life, have control of your decisions, have control of your income. And, uh, and that was very attractive to me. And, and, you know, listen, I, my, I grew up in a Hispanic family. My mom came to the U S at 18 years old with a couple hundred dollars in her pocket. And I think she did a very good job of brainwashing me to believe I can do whatever I want to do. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, uh, Go mom. You
1: know, I, that was a shout out yeah. to all moms.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so and so grateful, uh, but but yeah, and, and I think that that truly was it. You know, being first born in the U.S., the the American dream, and and again, she told me when I was very young, "You're here for a reason, honey. You're gonna do something." There, I don't know why you're here for a reason, and I just I believed her. <laughs> so so when I met you and others, I was just so inspired to make a difference. But I love
1: when we we uh, reconnect. So this is 2002 that you started. We met somewhere in there. Um, mm-hmm. I ruined a very inappropriate joke for you in an office environment that I'll forever love that story. And now it's 20 years later and you have had to deal with some serious, serious lows, but some amazing, amazing accomplishments. I met you as a young college graduate, just getting your, you know, your foot in the door, finding your way. And we were just building, just so you know, we're part of. a direct sales franchise type of organization where companies gave us like AT&T, which Ken is um, talking about. They would tell, okay, here's the product, go out in the field. And so, so we had direct contracts with AT&T and uh, Bell South and we did like stamps.com, internet technology, all the all, all
3: T-Mobile, Verizon. T T-M-
1: yeah. Do you know that John Legere hangs out here on, on Clubhouse?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I was on the other night and I was like, oh my God, I sold <laughs> T-Mobile business, business. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was like, that's John. I looked at his profile and I was like, oh. I'm I know John (laughs) well
1: you know what this is what's so fun about Clubhouse you you do the networking and the power of proximity and Ken this is why I want to bring in some rock stars out of our organization because there's an incredible opportunity for you to extend great value um you've built an amazing empire you have overcome so much and you're, 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 you're continuing to evolve. You have your own podcast. Now you're a father of two. Your wife came down actually to 10 X, which was such a nice, that was so nice. Mm -hmm. I get, I go back with Sarah a long time as well. Um, talk to us about, um, some things that you've learned over the last 20 years, as, as you scaled your business and, uh, overcome some setbacks.
3: So I, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, "Through your deepest wounds come your greatest gifts." And uh, you know, my for my lows of all lows was you know back in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen.
1: You know, my parents,
3: unfortunately, mom started uh, and had gotten breast cancer, uh, and uh, you know, I remember the day that uh, my wife and I got married. She says to me as we're dancing, you know, th- this wedding is the reason why you know I beat cancer. And, uh, and unfortunately, a year later, uh, it came back, and so I found myself in a place where I was trying to build my company and my business all over the country, and uh, you know, uh, the home front with my parents was falling apart. And unfortunately, my mom passed away in November fifteenth uh, of two thousand twelve, and through that time, I found out my father had cancer as well, and he uh, he he unfortunately. Ended up passing away three months later um, on on February second, two thousand thirteen, and in an incredible series of timing and events, my my wife and I were expecting, and uh, my son Brady was born on February third, uh, two thousand thirteen, and so I went from the the darkest of days to the most amazing. You know, on as anyone that's a parent know that how you feel when your children are born. So this amazing opportunity, and I decided to, you know, through this time to really. Uh, focus on the future and focus on you know being the leader of my family and and the leader uh, that I can make an impact on others. And I choose on a daily basis to see the world in a positive way. And it's very interesting because you know as speeded up years later, you know two three years ago this pandemic obviously kind of threw all of us on the side and kind of flipped us upside down. And at this time, some of my partners, I've been doing business to business sales, residential sales, and I built a pretty sizable business in that space. And one of my partners that had landed some deals in the retail space where AT&T and some of these telecom companies needed representation, needed staffing and big box stores. And uh, Target um, at that time had had some interest. Hey, listeners, if you enjoy
1: listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five. Five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to 5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day.
3: Just in Getting into this model, and so I was approached by some of the partners, and we had a test pilot here in Michigan uh, to sell AT&T Wireless in, uh, in, in Target. And in, for you guys that know Target, Target has a, a guest like experience that they they built a culture on. And it's not a not a sales driven culture. And so with five stores in Detroit, uh, and my I personally went out like I was starting a brand new business. And I, I decided to be the example and set the pace in sales. And, uh, you know, two weeks later, uh, the, the pandemic hit the entire direct sales face to face. Yeah, you know, idea wasn't the uh, the 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 thing that companies necessarily Nobody wanted, wanted so. anybody's face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no face so face. Yeah. The crazy the crazy thing about that is Target stayed open through the pandemic, although they decreased the amount of foot traffic in the stores and because they were open, we continued to test and we continued to, you know, do our best with five or six or ten people walking through the door every day. Uh, representing AT&T, and, and, and uh, June, July rolls around and things lighten up. And Target and AT&T were pretty impressed with the results through that time. And they asked us to launch close to 600 stores all over the US. And so now we're in, you know, uh, close to 500 targets, we're in uh, 50 or so Sam's Clubs, we're, you know, talking, we're in Costco's now, we're in Kroger's and Menards, We're we're in a bunch of big, big box retail stores. And uh, you know, I just feel like you know, my my life has been that way. I I get knocked down, I get stepped on, I I get pushed around a little bit, and I just make the, I just choose to move forward. I choose to learn from those hard times. And you know, if I didn't have all those experiences, I don't feel like I'd be the dad that I am today, and I I don't feel like I'd make the impact on on people like I can. So, although hard, um, (laughs) it's been great.
1: And I love that you know. Well, bringing it all back to the fundament, like bringing it all back to sales. And a lot of people say, oh, I could never do sales. But the truth is, everything is and it it really is learning how to do sales is such a basic fundamental that we all have to learn because the core of what it is, is building relationships. And in order to build a successful relationship, as quick as a transaction might be, it's actually being a really good listener, being very observant as to who you're talking to, listening, feeling, you know, just sizing up your customer, but being more curious about what their needs are as opposed to what you want to sell them. And, you know, I, I'm always going back to them like, we, you know, we knock sales and we put it, but everybody I know, everybody that I know i i can't name one other person everybody that i know that is successful had some grounding in 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 sales in some capacity and to hear that you know through the pandemic when everything else shut down uh you know target stayed open which gave you a foot in the door and just just to clarify for the audience what what it is that um is now taking place so in these target stores instead of target hiring um sales associates to sell uh more complicated products like uh what is it Sell are we selling cell phones in store
3: yep. yeah, yeah we so- do their wireless yep. and internet and tv but mainly yeah. wireless
1: so instead of having, you know, um maybe the turnover that Target might have for their uh, standard employees, they're now outsourcing to Ken and saying, "Hey, listen, bring in your team, train them on our, you know, the, the Target culture, but you're responsible for the staffing in store." And it's an amazing, it's an incredible business model for everybody involved. So when you go into Target, these sales associates are Actually, well versed in the space of uh, cell phones or technology or whatever they might be, and this evolution is so. Ken, I am like fascinated by this because it's not mm-hmm. just in stores at Target, but I know that we're going into other, other stores, and I'm still involved in, um, you know, in in our company. In a, um, you know, listen, I brought in philanthropy, and I trained yes. all you guys. I trained you guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did, and and yeah, and that is something that's been so good over the years. I mean, you you brought in the, you know, Operation Smile and the philanthropy, and and really just kind of teaching young people that it's it is not just about sales. Although the the skills that you learn, handling rejection, handling your your own confidence, rebounding, all the things you learn from dealing with a no um is an incredible uh you know skill to have but uh as far as diversifying people and how how to take care of the world and philanthropy i mean you're the you're the reason we've done all of it so
1: well i love it and i i'm proud of the the culture that we've also created within the you know within our organization um to you know not only give back but to grow um i'm really proud of it i'm a big fan now of of sales i i do feel that um, it extrapolates out so much further, you know, for me personally. And I'm, I'm always, when I hear about your parents, Ken, and then I'm reminded that your son, Brady, was born the day after your father. I mean, I remember the that. I remember those times. I mean, we were all heartbroken for you, and even as you say it. And um, I know that, um, you know, when I was personally, you know, went through that, I thought of my kids first. I was like, oh, my God, like they have to um, they have to watch this and, um, but I will say that I was able to kind of take what I learned in our culture, which was, listen, you can't control, you you can't control the waves, but you can learn how to surf. And, right. you know, I think that's, I, I'd love to take this conversation in that direction about overcoming adversity. Why rejection is such a part of growth and development. I think everybody's avoiding rejection and, Um, You know, setbacks. And this is an interesting this is what I'm going through right now. But I want to just I want to get your take on it. But my daughter came home yesterday and she's like, these two girls aren't playing with me anymore. And, you know, everybody knows girl dynamics in, you know, we're in fifth grade. I'm heading into the I'm heading into warfare. And, you know, I, she's like, I, you know, she's very sad about it. We, we talked through it and, you know, we, you know, it was my birthday last night. So we had a little party and all the, all the things had a lot of fun, but I said offline to uh, my friend, I said, I think she's going through this so that she knows what it feels like to be left out as we move through middle school and i think we go through certain things so we have the level of compassion to not do it to others as long as you know we can see it for what it is and i'll be able to draw upon this experience when maybe she wants to do that so i i do like to look at a higher level not you know i don't want to call the parents and be like you're leaving her out i think there's a true meaning that's long-term in this, this space. Um, but talk to me about um, overcoming rejections, setbacks, you know, disappointments and the importance uh, it plays in um, the overall development of your incredible organization, your amazing business.
3: Um, you know, Thank you again for that. The, the, you know, I'm, I'm in the early days, it sucked. It, yes. It's awful to go through, <laughs> Yeah, right? Like you, you feel like the world is, you know, why is this happening to me? Why, why does you know these negative, bad things always happen? Is it me? You know, I think, and, and we all go through these stages. And you know, from my experience, what I've learned is that uh, you know these challenges. There's, in my opinion, there, there's a reason these things are happening. There's a reason why, you know, um, the pain is there. And for me, it's because and again, I have a lot of faith, and I feel like God is trying to teach you something. God is pushing you to 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 change, and to force yourself to change. And and I believe that if when you have enough pain in a situation, you're going to then change. And so, um, although I didn't look at it that way in the early days, and I didn't have that type of perspective, I didn't have that type of confidence. Um, I know now that you know any any time in my career, any time you know, with you know, to your point about. I'm again. I'm a I'm a soccer dad now, not a soccer player as much. And my boys, Brady had a, a state cup game the other night, and they were supposed to, t- t- based on the records of the the tournament so far, they should have won, and they got whooped four one. And after the game, I said to him, I said, Brady, you know, you noticed you guys went up one nothing, and then you got scored on pretty quickly, and you're down two one. Did you notice that all of your teammates, all their shoulders dropped, and everyone like. There's one one kid got so upset as a goalie, he started crying. I was like, Brady, uh, I said, so what my my job as a dad, my job as a coach is to teach people how to think. And so I looked on the ride home. I said, Brady, what could you have done differently? You know, in business and in life, it's not just about what happens to you. It's about what you do next. And and he, he just listened and listened. He said, well, Daddy, what do you think? I'm not sure. And I said to him, I said, remember, when things don't go your way, you choose to look at things optimistically. And that's a time to lead. That's a time to step up. And the ball goes in the back of the net. Grab the ball, throw it up to the halfway line and look at your teammates and tell them, we got this. Don't worry about it. We can't change it. Let's move forward. But what happened is they scored one, they scored two, they scored four, and everyone kept going farther down. And I was like, Brady, that's just, again, when things happen to you, that's your opportunity to step up. Um, so, so I, I can feel, feel the pain with dealing with these kiddos, but I, I think it's important for them to lose.
1: It is important, and you know we it's it we used to say it's character building, and sometimes we are so busy taking the character building exercises out of our, you know, out of the experience, not only for our kids but also people that work with us, and everybody's looking for a handout as opposed to a hand up is actually disguised in a little bit of adversity, a little bit of challenge, a little bit of tough love, and um, I always want to go into those spaces because some of the greatest skills that you develop our persistence the ability to persevere through adversity um you know uh intestinal fortitude uh you know um resilience these aren't things you're getting at penn state and i sure as heck didn't get it at towson state when you're not buying it at barnes and noble (laughs) you cannot but all of these muscles these intrinsic muscles that are invaluable throughout life that not only are applicable in the workforce when you're scaling sales teams, which is what you have done, and you're launching different initiatives and you're growing with different industries and the changes in technology, but they also extrapolate into raising a family and leaving a legacy, you you know, like it's all about leaving, you know, and unfortunately, you know, when you do, when we talk about cancer, we talk about, you know, recognizing we all have our own mortality, it does allow you that moment of like, what is my legacy and where am i putting you know in line with what this topic is of the room you don't have time to waste the time is always now and it's always good to you know, look a little bit at a higher level when when adversity is happening and not try to take it out of, you know, remove it. You know, I I think it's so important to kind of keep it there. Unfortunately, we went out in the field every single day. So Ken and I had the same field experience. We went business to business. I also went out, I went out in Atlanta, Georgia, Um, Which was much nicer than New Jersey. So we didn't have the same experience. (laughs) You got your head chewed off, and people told me that Jersey (laughs)
3: folks are different than uh, Atlanta. Would you like a cup of tea? I
1: know. Yes, please. you you had uh your you got a thicker skin i this jersey girl went right down to atlanta i was like if i'm gonna do field work i'm gonna go down to the nicest corner of america where they they killed you with kindness they would tell you no and then offer you a sticky bun so right (laughs) um but i you know you learned even if you were in a nicer part of the universe um although i was called a yankee down in um down in the streets of georgia but um you did learn how to quickly um, get back up. You know, like if somebody said no or was particularly rude or you got to the end of a sale and they were like, no, I'm not the decision maker. And you're sitting there trying to make a confirmation call and you're like, we, 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 we're like, we're there. What's that? Yeah, we're, at
3: we're, the, we're
1: at the altar. <laughs> <You can't, laughs> we're at the altar. We're about ready to get married and you are, what? Okay, you so- You told me that uh, when
3: you're holding my hand. <laughs>
1: Like we're exchanging rings. We have to finish this deal. Um, whether it's it's that, but you know, in the beginning it's just so like, you know, as my life over and we're all so dramatic, but ultimately some people just quit. Some people are like, Yeah, I'm not built for this and I'm out. Right. And then you know, the rest of us are like, you know, I'm just doing this field work because I see the big I see the big win in all of this. And you know, there's just you know, there's me, you There's So there's just a, a team of us that I'm going to continue to bring into this conversation, into these conversations here and there. Uh, because I think there's so much value to be learned and shared um, in the space of, you know, building, you know, building these muscles that I think are being taken out of society, <laughs> like the, the uh, intestinal fortitude, like you got to have some grit. Grit isn't a purchase product. You Can't buy it off Amazon. Right.
3: Right. Yeah, it's so funny. I was out to dinner last night. It took some of my team to um, you know, spoil them a little bit and got some good steaks and you know, these, these guys are some of them in their, you know, mid 20s, early 30s and you know, are rel- you know, single guys and and they're they have these apps, right? These dating apps that they're looking at. And I it's just so different than when I was uh dating, right? I used to, have to go out and through friends, and we'd be at social, you know, bars and whatever, and I I'd, I'd take the note to the face. <laughs> it's like No. okay. Um, nice to meet you, though, you know, and they just do it now over the app. And it's so true that that uh, people gaining those skills. And, you know, I'll tell you one of the things I wanted to share was with with dealing with rejection and dealing with some of these big challenges. um, I've learned in my business that where your head goes, your business follows. And, 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 and what I mean by that is um, how I perceive things, how I look at things, if I see things as an opportunity or if, if I turn around like young in my career, I, I looked at things as woe me and it, it's, ah, why is this happening to me? And, and kind of the victim mentality, um, you know, it, it didn't really serve me to do that. And so, you know, I think how you look at these challenges, how you look at your business and when things don't go your way, it's such a huge opportunity um to to gain traction and to get ahead
1: well you know you reminded me earlier when we first started chatting about um now ken referred to a meeting or i don't know a keynote that i uh i i hosted i guess 150 years ago and it was about getting the jersey and it was a metaphor Mm -hmm. to sports because i really feel in the game of life and in the game of business there are people that really just want that Jersey and we'll do whatever it takes. And if you get that Jersey without actually doing the work, you are going to get your rear end handed to you, right? You're going to get out in the fields. Mm-hmm. And I equated it to the NFL. Am I wrong? I'm right on, right? That was my story. Yep. yep. Yeah. And it's, um, it really, it it bears repeating in that you know, I'm proud of that jersey that I oh, that I wore for many years, which was to be an entrepreneur, to scale sales teams across the United States, to introduce new technology to small business owners, and um, you know, uh, direct to consumer. I went door to door as well. Listen. I went door to door, Ken, and asked people to change their trash company from one to another. So I technically <laughs> yeah. went and talked, I talked trash in the day, which I loved. I was like, hi, I I'm here to talk, talk trash. But we actually sold so many uh, new customers to that trash company that they didn't have enough trucks. And that campaign was shut down. They couldn't keep up. Right? We, they yeah, couldn't keep up. It was like in four six weeks that we're like okay we need a new campaign and i was like i love talking trash um but you know really what when you put that jersey on as a as a business owner you can i could really speak from full authority confidence and experience that knowingness of listen i did the door to door i i did what i did the things to get the things and you know you don't want anybody in that position on the field with that jersey on they're going to get their rear ends and they're going to get kicked off the field and they're never going to play that sport again. And they're going to be really badly bruised. I mean, they could be permanently damaged, never want to be an entrepreneur again because they didn't build the muscles of fortitude and perseverance and persistence and stickativity as you know we like to say. And um, it was, you know, I. That's why I loved always going back. And so I'm like, you do not get this jersey unless you earn it. And you don't want this jersey. You don't want to be in this game. Yeah, it looks great. Like the, the the cool part is that when you look at that jersey and you see people running out into the into the field, you look at that like gridiron. You're like, I want a piece of that. But you have got to do the work. And without every single drill and every single you know um workout and every single setback and every single you know all the the games that you lose and the you know the 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 crowds being pissed you lose those you know you don't score the game-winning touchdown you learn how to show up the next day with this still winning attitude man that's a that's something that's built and you got to be built right. like that to get out on the field and i that was my um conversation 20 years ago i'm like you don't get to have the same jersey as me unless you're willing to do the things that i am willing to do to get on this field and play ball and i'm not just willing to get out on this field and play ball with the jersey and look pretty and be on television i want to win super bowl rings so i that's just my starter i'm like okay great i got the jersey i want off the bench in the game and now i want to win super bowl rings and go down in a hall of fame like i'm just you know in it to win it and I think that's what landed with you as a division one athlete. Yeah. You were like, give me the jersey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. I and mean, listen, I remember the pride, right? The, yeah. the growing up in, in South Florida, I, I happened to win a couple of state championships. So I got a chance to get seen at the college level uh, in, in soccer and, and then playing in college. And my parents, you know, they, my parents were engineers and architects. They weren't ones that could come to every game. And so when they did come into town and they were in for a a weekend of soccer and maybe a college football game, you know, the fact that I was in the starting lineup and among, you know, we had 2,000 kids try out for our team uh, that were walk-ons. And, uh, you know, so it was a top 20 team and, and the fact that I could be in the starting lineup, my parents in the crowd and all the kids in my high school and people that said things like, oh, you'd never play at that level, you'd never make it, you'd never... Um, be able to start you know, and all the all the and we all have them right? people that say things that aren't so nice sometimes and and it was just the validation that in my heart i knew and and it's the same thing in, in business I, I think sometimes you, you you go through these things there's people that may say things to you you know out of love and out of out of concern but your heart tells you you're on the right path your heart tells you that you're moving the right direction and you just kind of stick to your guns and keep your head down and um you know, when, when yeah, you get people, that validation, it's, it's uh, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. And I think it comes from a great place. People don't want you to get hurt, but if you right. look at a higher level of like, you know what, let, I'd, I'd rather see my kids fail, trying and instead of fail to try, I would rather see them put it, put themselves out there. And I am proud, like, you know, I have a my son, Max has epilepsy and, he this he had just start you know just started a couple years ago, and he comes home and you know one day this is last year and he's like I'm gonna play lacrosse, and I just have to bite my tongue. I'm like really oh my god, I have you know I have a child with epilepsy and that's really not what the you know the neurologist would re- recommend, and but it's just it's just not my job because you know listen it's just it's out of caution, Um, it's just out of caution, like don't do anything, but I don't live like that. I'm like, I would rather him be in the game. I'd rather him be in the game and we'll take it from there. And I, but you know, I'm sitting there going, can you play golf? Like, can you like, can we, can we find anything else other than lacrosse where they hit you with sticks? It's like the rudest sport I've ever seen next to rugby. I don't like being jostled. So I'm like, you like people, you guys are all hitting each other. It looks like, it just looks like anarchy. I am not a huge fan, but whatever he wants to do it. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, something, you may get hurt. We may have an episode out in the field, but you know, you may win as well. And you're going to learn something along the way. And I'm just always so proud of him. I'm just, I'm always like, wow, you are just you know, you're out there and he did it. And I, you know, I had to go through neurologists and all the things, and there's always a nurse at this on the side of the field, um, just in case. But my heart swells when I'm like, he's just, you know, get in the game. And the title of this room is, you don't have time to waste the time as always now. And I just hope if there's any takeaways from this, uh you know number one is be okay with adversity rejection setback because they're all building us for greater things the universe is putting these muscle builders in our way so we have them to tap into for greater things for bigger challenges for more opportunities we just have to surrender to the fact that i i feel that these all have servitude in them and we have to handle them with grace as much as we handle the good times we have to be able to handle the adversity with equitable amount of grace and maybe the surrender of knowing that this is helping me to be a better human to be a better to be more compassionate strong will there's no
2: success without failure i mean that's
1: there's my Ben's. but there's no there's no
2: success (laughs) without failure i mean it's so many people this in this do good soft world that we're now surrounded by uh, we we're, we're teaching our children everybody gets a medal everybody's a winner you're all great love you just the way you are don't change and and you know the the, the first ingredient set a goal the second ingredient is fail you're going to freaking fail if the goal's worth anything and, and that's and that's part of the learning process and that's you know, the, the third step is the learning but we, I, I don't think we we teach that lesson i don't think we teach that lesson to enough people and you know i've got some decision trees Barbara over the next uh, six or eight months, and you know I'm I'm so excited about the animal that's going to be unleashed again. And you know I've been coasting, I've been coasting in a uh, in neutral, and you know now I've got to put my big boy pants on. And I've got some work ahead of me, and I and you know I'm not uh, rather than being uh, frightened of it, I'm I'm turned on by it. And, you know, and then when I start looking with that lens in my store yesterday, seeing some of the things I'm seeing in the store yesterday, I'm saying, man, I better not have the meeting I'm going to have today in the store. It won't be, it won't be productive or effective, not, not at this point. I'll share it uh, on Clubhouse, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to my peeps uh, one-on-one. Failure is a part of what we're doing, and if you're not failing, I would make a very solid argument, you're probably not trying.
1: Yeah, you're not you're not in the game. And I, I think that's why we're, where we're always going wrong with even how uh, Ken brought up like dating apps. People don't even have to get rejected in person anymore. Well, well, they can just, you know, you know be, I be I ghosted. He, I didn't
2: hear that, uh, but that's, yeah. that is so perfectly said. Uh, you can fail a thousand times with your thumb, right? I mean, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And then, and then you know, I, I would imagine you can cut and paste somebody's profile that you like. Hey, that was pretty good. I'll use that. I'll be that guy, uh, that girl. But but then when the rubber meets the road, and you're not that guy or that gal, uh, and you don't, you know, you don't because you use the words doesn't mean that you understand what's behind them. Uh, it, it's a head fake world. We 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 had, we had to, Barbara. I wasn't a great looking kid, right? And I had a, I have a dear friend Mark that looked like J F K Junior. Literally, we were going on a train ride uh, to, to Manhattan from Long Island. And uh, a woman's walking up and down the aisle a couple of times. And then, you know, after a second or third pass, she hands him a little piece of paper and it's her telephone number. And I guess we were in our like mid twenties. And uh, I said, Mark, you know, I'm I'm like, whatever I was, 28 years old. I said, I've never had that happen to me. And Mark said, yeah, I get this all the time. And, and, And the challenge for Mark later on in life, he never had to develop the social skills, the financial skills, because he just things came too easy for him, and and Mark is a dear friend to this day. Uh, but things are not easy for him now, because he never had me. I had to work on all those different things. I had to dress a little bit better. I had. Does to he be still better look better like filming. JFK? Where, you you know,
3: where are we at? He, you no, know, he's still
2: he's still a good looking guy. with the he's still a good looking guy, <laughs> <Just the, for laughs> guy for his age, but but the. The the pain of things not coming easily is showing the mileage, you know. And Barbara, I, I I swear to good God, strike me dead. He had a, a Honda Accord. He didn't even need to drive a fancy pants car. And in the glove box, uh, he worked at a he worked at a, a club in the city, the Surf Club. In his glove box, he had the hundreds hundreds of telephone numbers that women had given him. And he would literally reach into the glove box like a raffle. And say okay, let's call Shelly. Uh, let's call Shelly, and he'd invite Shelly to his to his apartment in the Upper West Side uh, for for Chinese food and a beer, and and probably some you know gratuitous sex. And and I I sat there like, like this is like,
1: breakfast I with champions. Winner. I understand?
2: Sorry.
4: Shelly's the winner. But,
2: but, but I sat there dumbfounded, <laughs> like man. Man, I'd get a girlfriend and I'd tree hug. I'd hug, hold on for dear life. This stuff wasn't easy to come by, and I thought it's not fair. It's not fair. But life is fair. It, you're gonna pay the price for taking it easy. You're gonna pay the price for taking the, the the shortcuts. And and that price that the difficulty associated with that price may be something that you know you you, you regret later on in life. And and, and again, I, Mark is a a dear friend, a super talented uh, guy, uh, and I love him like a brother, known him since the 80s. But it, it's an example for me of somebody that had things too easy for too long, and that, uh, that balance formula uh, flips the other way. And so those of us that are experiencing, there, there's two groups of people right now, Barbara, in this economy. There are people that are benefiting from supply shortages, and I think I'm one of them. Uh, and that we've got some real good wind at our back and there are people that are getting pounded by this economy and it's, it's neither group is right or wrong. And uh, if you're getting pounded by this economy, it's not your fault. There are just different people, different things hitting people differently. And this inflation is starting to really catch up with people and, uh, soon unemployment and rising uh, It's a medal. Did
1: Brian? Brian. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Okay.
2: Yeah, that, that, that nonsense that everybody gets a medal. Uh, I, I think we're going to see uh, the, the shortcomings of that as things get a little bit bumpy in economy. You, you're not able to say, hey, but my mom told me I'm really special. And, and even though I haven't worked and I gained 90 pounds and I'm sitting on the couch, she said, I deserve everything. Where do I go for my everything?
1: Well, that's where, what where I love I... about where, you know, where... You got started. David, Ken, so, uh, pro- you know, actually the other David as well. And Todd, we all started out in this place that ultimately gave us um, these wings that we can fly into any space and make it work because we have the right attitude and the right work ethic. Well, no, and I, I, know- and so
4: many stories, I Barbara. So of us, many of us, stories. None of us
2: are invincible though, right? None of us are invincible. Uh, but, but, but we do know, you know, whatever that difficulty that's in front of us, uh, we we've got that cookie jar that Goggins refers to, right? We've been there before, and and, and the the malady, the difficulty, the challenge, you know, th- that we're going to face in the future, are different than the ones we faced in the past, but we've been there before, so we've got that that experience. And I, I I've been saying this for a long time. When the poop hits the fan, everybody's looking for somebody with gray hair. They ain't looking for they ain't looking for, more, ain't looking for or white hair. Uh, or, or, or white hair. Uh, <laughs> Uh, David Spiesack, I got to see a picture of you younger. I picture you at 20 with the same hair.
4: So, Brian, <laughs> I'll t- uh, here's something most people don't know. So I started turning uh, white, not gray, in at 16. Um, I was all white right. before uh, 30, which actually was a blessing. Uh, you talked about the blessings we had in our youth. It was a blessing because I was in sales and people, they just... Presumed because you had white hair that you were older than you actually were, and, and your, it actually was to my MYs, benefit. And they were yeah, wrong on all yeah, and, wrong yeah. On all So guns. my my brother, my dear brother, uh, you know, by the time he was twenty, he had the George Costanza horseshoe going on. And um, and and I was you know salt and pepper and and it's so funny Brian every you know people some people get upset when they see a gray hair I get I get kind of twisted when I see a dark, every once in a while I'll have a dark hair randomly show up in my head I'm like what the hell is that and uh, but yeah it never bothered me it actually it actually benefited me to turn white early my both of my parents were were white hair by the time they were thirty the,
2: the, well, dark, I... hair not, the dark hair is not randomly showing up in the Benstock head. Uh, anymore. <laughs>
4: and and well, I never, I never, interested. I never had the Mark vibe. I didn't have the Todd vibe. Where I'm sure Todd was buying Chinese food and beers for a lot of women too. He's got that look.
1: <laughs> Listen, oh, I am my getting. goodness! I just want to say this. Well, hey Todd, I wanted hey. to introduce you to my friend Ken Lear here. I've been I brought into club. I've been
4: listening well, to Ken. What a great story! Great. Absolutely. I, I, I love, I love his story. I love the. The adversity part of the story to me, those are always the best stories. I mean, if everyone just jumps in and they just had ultimate success, you know, um, I'm I'm building a keynote right now, um, and and in the keynote, uh, a lot of it is overcoming adversity, and that's what that's what people want to hear, right? What so as my coach is teaching me in this uh, in this keynote, you know, what problem are you going to solve? Well, the problem I'm going to solve is teaching people how to overcome adversity in business and win. Right. So that's something that we all need to hear. So, Ken, I appreciate your story. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought um, all the points where you had to overcome adversity were um, were amazing. And, and yet look at the success. And if if not for the adversity, maybe not the success. Right. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Todd, Thank you. Don't, don't,
2: don't, don't let that go by so quickly that uh, what problem are you going to solve? That is such a key question for those of us that are in business, those of us that are entering business. You know, that's really the, the question every entrepreneur question. needs to be asking, you know, what, what problem is my product or service going to solve? What problem am I? And the bigger the problem that you solve, right, the bigger the upside, the bigger the opportunity, and, you know, ultimately, the bigger the reward. Steve Jobs with the iPhone solved a, a main, you know, the, the problem he solved for how many people? I mean, 99% of us are using one of those in this country and a large percentage in the world.
4: And Absolutely. Brian, don't you think it's interesting with Steve? He solved a problem. He was such an interesting guy in so many ways. He solved a problem people didn't even realize
2: well, they that, had. Well, that's, that's the magic, right? He, he...
1: Well, you know, this I can't, it bears like that one story that I, I think is so valuable where these two salesmen go out to an island and the one guy, these shoe salesmen go to the island and they show up. And the first guy calls back to head office and he's like, I'm coming home. Nobody wears shoes here. And the second guy calls back to his sales office. He's like, send more shoes. Nobody has shoes here. And it's all about seeing, seeing things for their opportunity and not their, you know, their, their setback. And to bring this all full circle and then i have to put a bow on it because my son is starting um his driving school this morning at 9 a.m um you know when... a helmet. <laughs> oh i'm not i'm not the, the teacher <laughs> ain't no fool here so you know i remember when when i first started out building sales teams i didn't have the money to have a nice office space so i borrowed and i i leased office space from a warehouse with this guy who was selling like stuffed monkey dolls or whatever and it was like the only connection that i had in baltimore because that was where the first campaign was that opened up for us and was the deregulation of uh, electricity literally it was Honestly, shooting fish in a bucket, but I had to recruit, retain, and develop people to help me scale this um, campaign. And Ken, I'm sure you were I don't know if you you weren't there back then, but you understand what I'm saying because back then all these office spaces were embarrassing, and people right. would come in and they're like, "This is like, what is this ghetto?" Is this, a, is this a business? <laughs> yes. Oh, I I, I, what I do went to. Here? I went to college, and you expect me to work out of the, so in my warehouse in my warehouse that I worked out of, there's one of those heat lamps in the in the corner, so we would have to do our morning sales meetings in the back of this warehouse where I would turn it looked like one of those those mosquito um trappers where they trap mosquitoes and like but it's a, a heater that was attached to the wall, and like their inventory was in some caged part of the where i mean it was the most. It was the saddest set of circumstances, but I had to, I had, I had no other, that was my option. I had to work, I had to build, I had to interview people. And my thought was, I kept saying to everybody, I go, it cannot get any worse than this. So instead of being like, you know, trying to pretend it didn't exist, I I painted the picture of like, talk about grassroots. I'm like, we are working out of a garage right now. And this is what we're, and the, Ken is the, and the truth is now all these offices are, amazing head office looks like google's uh you know uh whatever google's campus right but you can yeah. look at that you know it's just painting the. it's all how you're going to look at things
3: absolutely i just want to say thank you barb i know the time's coming up soon thanks for having me this morning um you know i'm obviously very new to clubhouse but if you could follow me on on my uh youtube channel it's called clear channel k-l-e-a-r channel Uh, I bring on entrepreneurs, you know, people that have great stories. I try to, my goal is to help change the world one leader at a time. And I do that in my organization and outside the organization. So. I'd love to have a lot of you guys come join me sometime on the YouTube channel. But Listen thank you, Barb, so much for this time.
1: Ken, thank you so much. And there are some really fun people on this stage. Everybody, actually. Every mod on the stage and so many of the speakers you're going to want to interview. I would recommend take a screenshot, and I, I will tell you about every single person that is on this stage uh, from top to bottom. I'm actually scrolling right now, and I know just about everybody, and everybody has a